The title of the message today is Scripture Alone in a World of Lies. So let's pray and we will get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to gather here uh, each Sunday afternoon uh, to spend time in fellowship, even at a distance. Uh, Lord, and I just ask that you would uh, bless this message today, that you would uh, open the hearts and the minds and the spirits of each person that hears it, uh, that you would equip us through it, and that we would uh, learn more of you. Uh, Lord, we are in a time that is so full of confusion and chaos and darkness and lies. Your word is a bright shining light that continues to shine brighter as the world continues to spin more and more out of control. And Lord, I just uh, again ask that you would bless this message and help us to learn of you through it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this sermon is part of the Coming Storm series of sermons uh, that we've been working on or that we've been going through off and on for a while. And uh, give me one second, I'm trying to fix some lighting here. There we go. And this one I believe is very important. And I think you can tell why because of the title Scripture Alone in a World of lies. And one point that I think you're going to hear me talk about more and more in the coming weeks and months is the importance of understanding what's called sola scriptura or scripture alone. Uh, the five solas are the fact that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. And scripture is what's going to help us maneuver through uh, the times that we're living through now and the times that we will be moving into in the coming weeks and months and years uh, as we just see more of the insanity probably continue. Uh, hopefully things will normalize somewhat, um, but it's really hard to say with, with everything that's going on right now. So uh, scripture alone in a world of lies. And I want to preface it by looking at the verse, one of my actually one of my favorite verses in scripture which is Psalm 119, 104. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. The reason I like this verse so much is because there's a tendency that's so common in much of the modern church to um, compromise with false ways, to strive to not be offensive to false ways, to try to blend false ways with the truth of God's word in order for everyone to be able to just get along and not have any, you know, issues or divisions between what's false and what's true, what's contrary to Christ and what is according to Christ. And nowhere in scripture will you find that commanded. We are not, we are commanded to live as peacefully as we possibly can, obviously within the church and with those in the world around us. But when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to doctrine, all through God's word, you see him commanding in the Old Testament to not be drawn into adultery, to have nothing to do with those that are practicing false religions or worshiping false gods. And in the New Testament, we're told, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that basically eliminates any other option 
any other false religion other than true faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation because he is the only truth. And that's going to have very much to do with what I'm trying to convey today through the sermon, Scripture Alone in a World of Lies. If you remember a few months ago, I mentioned a book that I read a while back called Earth's Earliest Ages by a man named George Pember. He was an English theologian, I believe, in the, either the early 1900s or the late 1800s. And his work is just fascinating because he covers a lot of uh, topics in Scripture that, are, that have been ignored for, I believe, far too long. And those are some of the topics that we're going to be delving into in the coming weeks and months. In the preface to that book, it says that uh, George Pember endeavored to show the characteristic features of the days of Noah were reappearing in Christendom, and therefore that the days of the Son of Man could not be far distant. And what he was doing is he was looking at that portion of Scripture that says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days preceding the return of the Son of Man. I'm paraphrasing that verse a bit. And I think he was very much correct in trying to get across to people and trying to convince Christians that we've got to be paying attention to what the world was like spiritually before Noah entered the ark and to look at the parallels with the times in which we live in now. And uh, Pember listed seven, seven parallels between the antediluvian age, which is the time before the flood, and the days preceding Christ's return. And I've always just been fascinated about these seven points, because like I said, I agree that these are very much appearing in the world again right now. His first point was an overemphasis on God's mercy at the expense of his holiness. And if you want to see an example of this, um, just spend a little time scrolling through so-called Christian pages on social media, and the majority will talk about God's universal love God loves everyone, give them a try, and this very watered-down, feel-good, non-doctrinally-based, pretty much unscriptural proclamation of who God is. Now, it sounds very nice to say, you know, God loves you, God loves everyone, but you got to think of things like in the Bible where it says, Esau I loved, but Jacob I hated. God hates sin. Until you are in Christ, you are an enemy of God. You are contrary to God. You are in rebellion against God. So to tell someone that God loves them is really a foolish thing to present them with. What you need to present people with is the gospel of the condition that they are in if they are outside of Christ, separated from God, dead in their sins and trespasses. And the only way to enter into God's love and to become one of his true children is through the personal work of Jesus Christ. So you're starting to see the point that I'm making. There's this overemphasis on God's mercy at the expense of his holiness. That is why Christ came and died for the sins of his chosen ones. Number two, he lists, is a disregard for gender roles and contempt for marriage. I don't even think I need to give an example of that or expand on that point. That is obviously a huge problem that we're dealing with in modern society. Number three, how technology and entertainment entice men away 
from worshiping God. And this is something that I talk about constantly. I've been very concerned with the preponderance of social media within Christianity. I've always had a very severe, a very intense distaste for how Christianity is presented in a social media context, even by people that are well-meaning and, and are probably conveying true, solid, biblical Christian doctrine, I always get the feeling that it's just being cheapened and stained by being thrown out there with all the other garbage that's on social media. But the thing that he's, the point that he's getting across here is that technology and entertainment are enticing man away from worshiping God. And I would ask you, if you're listening to this message, to really ask yourself, if you're a Christian, how much time, how much more time could you spend in prayer and prayerful study of the word that rather than spending time on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or playing games online? How much more time could you have your Bible open before you, or even, I guess, have your Bible open on a computer screen or, or on your phone in front of you, rather than doing things as a distraction and as entertainment instead of studying the person and work of Jesus Christ and learning of who he is through Scripture? And I think that's a very important question for all of us to ask. And I can tell you one of my greatest battles personally is constantly trying to eliminate distraction and things that take my focus off of Christ and things that try to steal my time that I would rather be spending in communion with the Lord, studying his word and learning of him. And, and this is a huge issue that we're facing today. Technology and entertainment. Um, uh, Americans really have been so brainwashed into thinking that our uh, to, to reflect success in life is to show a life that is saturated with entertainment and uh, what's the other word? Um, amusement that they think that's a sign of success. You know, many Americans will work their entire life to reach retirement and spend the last, you know, 20 or 30 years of their life doing things that are simply geared around entertainment and amusement and serve no purpose from a Christian context. And I'm probably saying some things that are a little harsh here, but I think we need to start thinking about these things as Christians. Are we making the best use of the time like we are commanded to do in Scripture? We are told to make the best use of the time. And if we are Christians, the best use of, use of our time is to live sacrificially for the Lord striving to do all we can in the cause of the gospel in Jesus Christ. His fourth point, the alliance between the nominal church and the world. I believe that we will see this. This has been a severe problem for many years now in the world, especially in America. And like you've heard me say before, not just my opinion, but many Christian pastors and leaders that I've spoken with over the last five or 10 years, the common consensus is that probably 90% of the professing church nowadays is not saved, has no understanding of the gospel, is completely outside the body of Christ. Only 10% at best is probably the true, genuine church, the true body and bride of Christ. I think we are going to see that grow worse as we move forward with the things that are happening in the world today and the, the, the 
the complete, um, uh, what would the word be? The prevalence of false teachings and the prevalence of such efforts being made by the church to conform to the world uh, in the guise of Christianity, claiming that if we're more like the world, we can attract the world and then present the gospel to the world. That, that's a best case scenario, and that, that's not going to work. We're never told to conform to the world. We're always told to present the gospel. The Holy Spirit will work through it, but we're never to strive to present it in a, world, in a way that's altered or changed or compromised so that it's more palatable or easy to hear for those with worldly ears. So, so an alliance, a growing alliance between the nominal church and the world. Number five, a, a vast population increase. We've seen that, that's not arguable. Number six, the rejection of prophetic warnings and preachings. Now the point I wanna make there is we're talking about the teaching of biblical prophecy, not modern prophets. So when, when Pember said the rejection of prophetic warnings and preaching, he's talking about delving into God's word, looking at how the prophets warned us down through history and how we are to how we are to heed the prophecies that they were given by the power of God to help us grow on our walk with Christ and to help arm us so that we are protected against the things of this world and the false teachings that we will be presented with. That has nothing to do with, again, this huge issue nowadays where you've got so many people, again, through social media, claiming to be apostles or prophets or whatever. Christ himself said the law and the prophets were until John. There are no messianic prophecies since the time of John the Baptist. We do not need to hear new prophecies. We need to study the prophecies as they are laid down in scripture. Those are being mostly ignored. And that's something we're really going to delve into in the coming weeks and months. Number seven, this is something I've really been studying a lot lately. And this is something that I'm very excited to start digging into again in the coming weeks and months as we move further into the coming storm series of sermons. The appearance upon earth of beings from the principality of the air and their unlawful intercourse with the human race. I think one of the things we've got to start considering is what is happening spiritually. And I'm not just talking about our, our individual spirituality. I'm talking about the spiritual realm. What is happening on the world and how is that being a, how is that a response or a result of what's happening in the spiritual realm? And I believe that Satan's been very effective, especially over the last couple of hundred years, I guess, or maybe a hundred years or so, at diminishing our concern with the spiritual realm. And nowadays, when you start talking about the spiritual realm, you might be looked at as a quack or a, a conspiracy theorist or talking about things that, that we shouldn't even be bothering with because there's no way that they could be real or they could be true. But I can tell you, after doing much study into these topics, the one thing that really just blows me away is how our history has been so altered and so revised over the last, again, 50, 100 years, how world history that's being taught, especially in the public school systems, is so focused on turning any thought about the spiritual realm, 
turning people away from that and not even considering it. And I will share with you example after example after example of where proof of spiritual activity carried out on our physical plane has been suppressed and subdued and ridiculed and actually hidden in the history books and covered up because if these things were known to be true and were considered by more people, those that are in power would not be able to hold on to power as well as they have. They have to keep these things covered up. And I think these are going to be very important things for us to dive into more as we go forward. Three ver a few verses that I want to use to expand on this point, and I'll reiterate, I'll repeat that point. The appearance upon earth of beings from the principality of the air and their unlawful intercourse with the human race. Look at Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, everybody knows if you read that in the book of Genesis, this is what God told Satan that he was doing because of Satan deceiving Eve in the Garden of Eden that led her and Adam to do what they were commanded not to do, to question God's word, and that made mankind fall into condemnation, the condemnation of sin. And he says, and again, it says, I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. When we hear that, the first thing we think about is he's talking about Christ, the seed of the woman, and the Antichrist, the seed of Satan. That's very true. But what I'm really thinking we need to start thinking about as well is the fact that that seed could also be looked at in a plural sense. The seed of the woman meaning mankind and the seed of Satan meaning those that are outside of Christ still under the control and the, the dominion of Satan and serving his ends. And I believe this is one of the reasons that it says that Noah was chosen to go on the ark with his family because he was pure in his generations. And I and I will expand on that more as we go forward. I believe that what that was talking about is Moses was pure, uh, Noah was pure in his generations at a DNA level. I believe that Satan since the beginning of time has been first of all was trying to corrupt corrupt the DNA structure of the woman's seed because he knew through that seed that the Messiah would be born that would redeem mankind and redeem those that he came to save. So he was trying to corrupt that seed or that line that would that, that would lead to the Messiah. But I believe he's never stopped. I believe his, he has been trying to corrupt the human seed, the human genome, our DNA structure, which is divine. It is how God designed and created each one of us as individuals within his image. And Satan has been trying to corrupt that and trying to make humanity into something that is in his image. And it's a good thing. to It's a way, it's an easy way to remember. Satan will always do the opposite of what Christ does. Christ, Antichrist. The true Trinity, the false Trinity. You'll see this all through scripture. Satan is the antithesis of of Christ. So I believe that that seed verse in 315 has more to do than just the, mess the messianic line and the seed of Satan in the Antichrist. I believe it has to do with a battle that's been going on since the beginning of time between Satan and the seed of the woman trying to corrupt the human race 
and steal it away any way he can and corrupt it because he wants to take it away from God. Genesis 6, 4. This is something else we'll start delving into. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. And then Numbers 13.33, and there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. The Nephilim were the offspring of fallen angels mating with human women. And again, this is a topic I've been studying extensively, and I'm very excited to start delving into this. But what you've got to pay attention to is it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards. So what that tells us is the Nephilim were on the earth during the days of Noah. I think they were almost solely responsible for the corruption that spread throughout the earth at such an intense level. And then afterward, they were on the earth again. So I believe Satan continued that effort to try to corrupt by through these fallen angels, again, corrupting the seed of mankind. And that's why it says in Numbers 13, 33, what it's talking about is when the spies were sent into the promised land to spy it out, give us an idea of what's going on. And when they came back and they brought their report, they said, and there we saw the Nephilim. They were in the land that God had told them to claim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Now, it's very common to say, well, the Nephilim are the giants, uh, which were which were the offspring of the Nephilim, or or were the Nephilim, basically were uh, the sons of Seth. They were just big humans, folks. I do not believe that's the case, and I will. Pr I believe that I'll be able to prove that very uh, well in the coming weeks and month month with much evidence that that I've been able to accumulate. Um, through my through my research and you'll see how this has a direct impact on the proclamation and the spread of the gospel message so but the point i wanted to make is that has to do exactly with the appearance upon earth of beings from the principality of the air and their unlawful intercourse with the human race i believe that is something that is intensifying right now I believe it's one of the reasons that the world seems so dark and so deceptive and like there's this dark cloud quite often hanging over things. And I don't think anybody would argue the fact that the last couple of years have been very, very strange. And the things that we've seen take place are beyond what we would have ever imagined. Uh, I knew that there would come a time when there would be a deception and those that are trying to bring us into the control of, of what you could call the one world government or the new world order would orchestrate something to try to get people in, in a larger number to move in that direction. What shocks me is how easily they've been able to fool the majority of people around the world through this coronavirus hoax, this pandemic. Um, I, I, I just still shake my head at how people just go along with everything they're told to do by the mainstream news, uh, by uh, the government and those that have been known and, and, and proven to be lying to them um, for, for going on probably a year and a half now, and people just continue to go along with it. That's very concerning because, um, you know, people have asked me, do I feel like the vaccine might be, you know, the mark of the beast? I honestly don't think it is. I'm very concerned about it. 
uh, because I do believe that there is something very wrong with injecting something into your body that has something called messenger RNA, which is going to affect your DNA structure. And this has never been done before. It's never been tested. And that DNA structure is a divine formula that God used to create you as a, as a individual within his image. So I do believe there's something very wrong with that. I don't really believe it's the mark of the beast, but I do believe it's a warm-up. Um, it could very well be a warm-up testing the waters to see how easy it is to get people to go along with these things. Now, with that being said, I want you guys to bear in mind that that will probably get this video kicked off YouTube shortly after I put it up, but I am in the process of getting things set up on another platform because I've only got another couple of strikes before they're going to kick me off of YouTube completely. Um, but I don't care. I'm not going to stop talking about this stuff because I think uh, during these times, these are things that are very important for us to be discussing. Look at Luke 21, 25 through 28. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The, the verse that just has kept coming to mind over and over to me over the last year and a half has been people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And I, for some reason that just keeps popping into my mind constantly over the last year and a half. And I think we will begin to see things that are unexplainable, that make no sense, and that could be absolutely horrifying to those that do not understand what they're seeing. Ephesians 6, 12 through 13, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, with these two verses put out there in front of you guys, what I'm going to ask you is to please consider the things that I will be sharing over the, the coming weeks and months with an open mind and an open heart and to realize that we do wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is the reason that things are spiraling out of control right now. And that is why we see so much lies and darkness and deception but there's hope for us as Christians. We do not have to be weighed down by that. Why? Because we take up the whole armor of God that we can withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So that's the purpose behind what we're doing here. It's the reason for all of it so that we can survive and flourish and move forward in the cause of the gospel in spite of what's going on spiritually around us and carried out on the physical realm. So I'm going to ask this question, what is truth? And this is going to be the question that we are going to have to ask ourselves over and over again 
as we move forward during these times. What is truth? Look at the world and modern society around us and try to figure out what is truth? Where is truth? And when I'm talking about truth, I'm not just talking about the truth of scripture, Christian doctrine, and false doctrine. That's obviously something very important for us to understand. You've got to be, as a Christian, able to discern the difference between true doctrine and false doctrine. You should be able to understand why Mormonism is false, why Jehovah's Witness teachings are false, why Roman Catholicism is false. But I'm taking it to the next level. We are being presented with lies constantly from the world about a variety of issues. And as Christians, we have to be able to discern these other types of lies as well. And I believe that the world that we are living in, especially now, is a manufactured reality. I believe that there's been a concerted effort for many, many years to try to make people think or not think in a certain way and to think as they are programmed to think. So, they're so the reality that people are presented with, the reason I use that word manufactured, is everything that you're presented with, especially through TV and now through much through social media, is manufactured in such a way to make you think according to an agenda that is being worked towards. And this has been done through years, through movies, through television, and through the public education system manufacturing what people see. There's a popular show on ABC News every day called, I think it's on ABC, it's called What You Need to Know. I mean, if you, if you really start listening to what I'm talking about, that title alone should absolutely horrify you, What You Need to Know. No, they are not in the business of telling us that. They're just supposed to present the news. We decide if it's true or false or not. But that whole premise with a, with a title like that of what you need to know is we are telling you what you need to know. You don't have to look any further. And I've actually heard where CNN has, has, has come out, uh, it was a while ago, and said that they basically, you know, they'll tell you what's right or wrong. You just have to pay attention to them. So it's very important to understand that they've been creating a manufactured reality that is not grounded in truth for a very long time time. Mainstream media, social media, movies, the federal education system, the matrix is real. If you've seen that movie, The Matrix, they are trying to create something like that to where every aspect of your humanity, of your thought processes, of everything you do conforms to what they believe it should conform to based on the matrix that they've created. The news is designed to tell you what to believe, not what the truth is, if this was not the case, why would it be that every time you post, not every time, but, but so many times now when you post something that's true on something like Facebook, it's taken down and you're sent a warning. I get those all the time. It's fact checked. This is false according to this opinion. So we're, we're going to take it down. Like I said, like with my videos, because some when I talked about the vaccine and they didn't like what I was talking about because it didn't agree with what the World Health Organization was claiming or what the CDC was claiming, that video was removed because that truth goes against their manufactured agenda, the manufactured reality that they're trying to create. So you can't argue that these things are happening. Revisionist history. Ask yourself, where are things like Nikola Tesla or people like Nikola Tesla in history? You never hear about him. Why? Because he was very close to finding a way to provide the world with free energy, with free electricity. 
He was a brilliant man, but because his discoveries and his thinking was contrary to what they were creating it through a manufactured reality, he was pretty much destroyed and died alone. And then they took his work and got rid of it. Societal idols are constantly exposed as frauds. It's fascinating when you look at the people that this world worships and you see them fall, but the world just, just worships another one. Image is everything. We are obsessed with the cult of celebrity. The cult of celebrity represents what they want you to see as part of their manufactured reality. Political party loyalty and agendas override the truth. And this is one of the reasons that I hate social media so much because they're basically just echo chambers. If you go on Facebook and you post something, you largely are posting it to people that think just like you. But somebody with a contrary opinion, they're posting things to people that think just like them. So they've been very good at dividing the country even further through those media outlets as well. Evolutionary theory is accepted as science in spite of its diminishing scientific credibility and proofs of fraud and misinformation. Folks, if you study evolutionary theory and you look at the modern discoveries that we've made in studying the structure of DNA, at studying things at the atomic level, at looking at things through, through quantum physics, and you look at what we found um, uh, geologically, and that we found archaeologically around the world, the truth of scripture is verified more and more and more. Evolution is discredited more and more as time goes by, but evolutionary theory is the only thing that you're able to talk about in higher education and, and through most of public education. If you consider that one of the main claims of evolutionary theory was something called Heckel's embryos, where this guy back in the 1800s, I believe it was, or maybe early 1900s, drew embryos from four or five different animals and then a human. And he said, look at all these embryos look exactly the same. So we all basically start off the same and then evolve into whatever creature that, that, that it's going to become, whether it's a dolphin or a horse or a human. A few years down the road, they realized that his pictures of these embryos were nothing like what the embryos actually look like, but that's still in the textbooks promoting evolutionary theory. Archaeopteryx, which was, which was supposed to be the skeleton that someone had supposedly found in the fossil record, which proved that uh, lizards evolved into flying creatures or birds, and this was like the halfway between skeleton, that was taken as a skeleton that just helped confirm evolutionary theory for quite a few years until it was proven that that skeleton was a fraud. Somebody had made it and it wasn't real. It's still in the evolutionary textbooks. Consider this, both ends of the human evolutionary process are existing at the same time. They try to claim that man evolved from apes. Well, if that was the case, why do we have apes and man existing at the same time? Something interesting to consider. Another fact about evolutionary theory is that it can't even be applied to the scientific method. It's not observable, it's not quantifiable, and it's not reproducible. If you do not have those three aspects, you cannot apply something to the scientific method, but it is considered in science mostly as they look at it as the gospel, evolutionary theory, even though it's totally unscientific. 
And all these exposed frauds are still in the textbooks, and so few question it. The severe decline of critical thinking. Truth is not even sought after anymore. That's what just blows my mind, especially in Christianity, where people are shown that something is false, shown that it's false through its contradiction of Scripture and through what's called cognitive dissonance, defend their false belief regardless of truth hitting them in the face. This is a consequence of the federal education system, which is void of and in opposition to God and his word. The radical rise in immortality since immorality since the early 60s, when the Bible and prayer were removed from the schools, should be considered. Just think about this. In the early 60s, the Bible and then prayer were removed from public schools. When the Bible and prayer were removed, and you, go, you can go back, you can go online and you can do a search for a graph and just look for a chart showing crime rates through for different types of crime from like 19, say 1900 to now. And you'll see a gradual increase when it hits the early 1960s, everything spikes. Rape, murder, uh, domestic violence just starts increasing right at the point when the, when the Bible and prayer was taken out of the public schools. So ask yourself, how different might America be now if Christian parents had removed their children from the public school system at that time? When they would have said, no, if, we're, if, we're, if you're going to remove the Bible and prayer from the public school systems, the churches will take care of education. Families will take care of education. Homeschooling will become the norm. How much different might America be right now? if that had taken place at that time? And I can answer that question. I don't even think you'd recognize America now because so much of what we're seeing that's going on in America now is the result of, it's not even a public education system, folks. It's a public indoctrination system. And in my opinion, and I, I really don't care if people don't agree with me, public education is not an option for Christian families. Sacrifices need to be made to keep Christian children out of the public school system. In education, critical thinking has been replaced with responding in a prescribed and programmed manner. Memorize this and you're tested on what you memorize. Not what you thought, not what you reasoned through, not what you considered critically, what you memorize and prove that you memorized it by answering the questions on this test. And the rest of society has followed suit. A mind that is dumbed down, numbed, and incapable of critical analysis is a mind that can be controlled and manipulated to never seek truth. Folks, that is the reason people all over America and all over the world are allowing something to be injected into their bodies through fear and through believing what they're told about it, in spite of mounting evidence that it is horrifically dangerous and could radically harm them. But they don't want to think about that. That is the effect of years of programming and dumbing down. That's all pretty dark stuff. But praise the Lord that the Holy Spirit works in spite of all this. And this is why, how we have to look at this as Christians. Look at 1 John. 5, 19 through 21. We know that we are from God. 
And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's why these things are happening. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We don't have to be fooled by all these things. But we have a responsibility to arm ourselves and to arm our families to make a stand against what is happening. Our children are and will continue to be bombarded with the false concept of relative truth, that there is no absolute truth. That is the reason that there's so much immorality in our society right now. Because now for years, children have been taught that truth is relative. Your truth is okay for you but I have a different truth, even if it contradicts your truth. That's an absurd argument. Whatever's true is true, regardless of your perspective or your opinion or your feelings about it. You can't change truth. But they've been trying to convince people that truth is relative. It depends on your circumstances. It depends on your viewpoints. It depends on your sexual orientation. It depends. The truth that you're born, born male or female cannot be altered. But we live in a society that has become so immoral, so dumbed down, and so absolutely absurd that we think it's offensive to call a person by the sex that they were born. You can't call me a man. I don't want to be a man. I want to be a woman. Think about how absolutely insane that is. But that's how far this has gone. What it comes down to is God's word is the sole authoritative and sufficient absolute truth. You will not figure out what's happening in the world nowadays if you're trying to do it outside of God's word. I think you'll just go crazy trying to figure it out. You cannot figure out what's happening in the world truthfully if you're trying to do it outside of scripture. Without the absolute truth of God's word, you have chaos, darkness, and insanity. God's truth is banned from our educational system, and that's why we are in the predicament that we're in. Children sent away to college are bombarded with atheistic, humanistic, anti-Christian attacks, even in so-called Christian colleges. The majority of Christian colleges are, are more worldly than a lot of secular colleges. It's a terrible situation. The gospel and God's word has been neglected for so long in so much of the Christian church that the authority and sufficiency of it are not even recognized quite often. This is a severe problem that is very much too common nowadays. It's horrifying what's going on. I remember a couple of years ago when my friend Matt and I, Matt Slick of Karm.org, went down to research Bethel. And anybody that's familiar with the New Apostolic Reformation movement, realizes that Bethel is probably one of the most toxic and damaging churches in the world right now. They are sending people all over the world with this false gospel, and um, they've got what's called a school of supernatural ministry. It's absolutely horrifying what they are doing, especially to young people. And when we went down to Reading to investigate this place, we uh, we got invited to go visit a Christian college, which is just about a mile from, from Bethel. And it was such a sad thing because the man that invited us is a man that, that listens to Matt on the radio and he found out we were going. So he invited us. And this man's situation was basically, he is a very solid, biblically grounded, passionate Christian guy. 
And he's in this so-called Christian college, which used to be very biblically grounded. But he said over the last five to 10 years, just compromise, compromise, compromise to the point where he's like a lone Christian in the midst of just radical apostasy to the point where Bethel has so many people visiting their school of supernatural ministry that they now let them come to this college and use it for room and board. I mean, it, it was it was distressing to see what this man was going through because he was just surrounded by so much heresy and apostasy that was leaking over from Bethel that his church had just basically turned completely away or his school, his college had turned away from true Christianity and was totally drawn into all this heresy. And he was like, just one of the only individuals left that was trying to be a truth. He was like one crying in the world wilderness that you read about in scripture. It was, it was, it was amazing. And I really respected that guy because he just stuck to his guns and he continued to proclaim the gospel, even through ridicule. John 14, six and John 17, 16 and 17, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, 16, and 17. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. If you're in Christ, you are not of this world. You are of him. The five solas. I don't know if you guys have heard these before. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola Christus, sola scriptura, soli deo gloria. I would highly recommend studying the five solas. They will help you so much in growing in discernment and having a better chance of spotting what is true and what is false in this world. It means sola gratia, by grace alone, sola fide, through faith alone, solus Christus, in Christ alone, sola scriptura, according to scripture alone, soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. Again, referring to my friend Matt's site on CARM, he defines Sola Scriptura as the teaching that the scriptures contain all that is necessary for salvation and proper living before God. Sola Scriptura means that the scriptures, the Old and New Testaments, excluding the Catholic Apocrypha, are the final authority in all that they address, and that tradition, even so-called sacred tradition, is judged by scriptures. Sola Scriptura does not negate past church councils or traditions. Those who hold to Sola Scriptura are free to consider past councils, traditions, commentaries, and the opinions of others. But the final authority is the Scripture alone, because the Scripture alone is what is inspired by God and not past church councils, tradition, commentaries, and opinions. Scripture is above them all. Everything must be measured against God's word in Scripture. I'll give you some examples of this. The word of God, Scripture, it is our very life as Christian believers, both physically and spiritually. It is what sustains us. You will be a healthier, happier, more truly prosperous. I'm talking about biblical prosperity and good person, even in a physical sense, if you're feeding on God's word. Look at these examples. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. John 1, uh, James 1, 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. 1 Peter 1, 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of 
of God. It is so beautiful and important to understand what it means to rely on the authority and sufficiency of Scripture. Folks, one of the points I want to make is it blows me away how many Christian leaders and pastors contact me through the Recovery Reformation Ministry wanting to know what program I recommend to help addicts and alcoholics. That is a sign that they do not understand the power of God's Word in Scripture and the power of the gospel through the working of the Holy Spirit. Because when you understand the authority and sufficiency of Scripture and the power of God's Word through Scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will understand that you do not need a recovery program. You do not need a program of psychology or psychiatry or a self-help program. You have everything you need in God's Word and Scripture. And pastor after pastor after pastor always wants to know, what program do you recommend? to help the addict and the alcoholic when it's right there in scripture. It's such a sad state. I cannot stress enough the importance of God's word in the life of a Christian, especially during the times in which we live and the times that we will soon face. 2020 and so far 2021 can be summed up as a time of lies and ignorance. We would not have allowed what has taken place to continue as it has if it wasn't for a prevalence of lies pouring forth and the ignorantly minded person accepting it. We are surrounded by a culture seeking to destroy anything to do with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are surrounded by false religions proclaiming to be Christian, yet in contradiction to the truth of the gospel in the Holy Bible. Our children are inundated with immoral and satanic imagery constantly through music, sports, entertainment, advertising, whatever it is. It's almost become like Satanism and occultism is like something cool for kids to want to be a part of. That's how it's being presented now in the media. First Peter 5.8 tells us that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He seeks to destroy the joy of faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And he seeks to destroy those that are outside of Jesus Christ. But understand that the joy of our faith in Jesus is founded on God's never-changing word. He cannot change God's word and what it does for us. Regardless of the world around us, persecution, tribulation, we count it all joy because of the life that we have in Jesus. Hebrews 13, 8 and 9 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. <coughs> Excuse me. It's so important to remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because we may change. Our viewpoint may change. We may wake up on the wrong side of the bed and feel like I'm, I'm just so far from God. But he's still there. He never changes. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 13 warns us about the world and the evil in it. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, 
always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. That is an explanation of the world that we live in. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 explains to us what God has blessed us with to guide us as we follow Christ so we're not drawn into the ways of this world. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Folks, I'll tell you this. If you're going to a church and they have got recovery programs, psychological programs, self-help programs, and all this worldly stuff, they cannot preach on 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 without being hypocritical. Because if you understand that all scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that you may be complete and equipped for every good work, you realize you need none of those things. None of them. There is nothing we need in life, in walking with Christ, in our marriages, in our families, in Christian ministry beyond God's word in the Holy Bible. It is sufficient for everything. Please cling to it and it will carry you through the times we are moving into. God's word brings us into communion with him, conforms us to the image of Christ, guides our steps, lights our path, increases our joy, makes us discerning, arms us for battle, equips us for ministry. It comforts us. In Philippians 4.8, Paul tells us, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever is holy, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We do this by knowing God through his word. The Christian life is a life of mountains, of valleys, of streams, and of deserts, times of communing with God and times of reaching for him, times of abounding happiness and times of depression and suffering, times of victory and times of being attacked. But in Christ, there is always joy. Because we must be in this world for a period of our existence, we are given the word to revive us, to restore us, and to keep us on the narrow path of Christ. Psalm 19, 7 through 11 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. I've got a great quote here from George Mueller that I've always loved. His biography has helped me so much in my personal walk with the Lord. George Mueller said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditation on it. That should be your first priority 
at the beginning of every day. I'll close with Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Folks, the things we're seeing in the world, the evil that we see that's so prevalent, the evil people that are uh, profiting off the backs of others, that's all going to fade away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will remain forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would strengthen each of us with your word, uh, that you would use this message to inspire people to begin each day in your word, in communion with you, meditating on your word, that you would use it to arm them, to strengthen them, to edify them, to bless them with courage and confidence and boldness as they go into each day. And that we would use your word to help reach the lost and to help strengthen and edify our brothers and sisters in you. And Lord, please just guide us in the coming week, open doors for the gospel, and let our steps remain on the narrow path as we follow you and walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here today, you guys. I appreciate it. If you can, please visit elephantwalk.net. Caring in every step reflected in the quality of our products and the efforts to combat poverty and support wildlife conservation that our sales help support. Please visit elephantwalk.net. Um, you should be able to type in the way on checkout if you're if you decide to make a purchase. And I believe you get 15% off. I forgot to check that this morning. Um, if you try to do that and it doesn't work, shoot me an email, chat at thewayr122.org, and I will help you out with that. Elephantwalk.net. Um, you notice we've got a new logo. I'm trying to simplify things and get the ministry focused more in just uh, in the fact that we are a ministry doing a lot of different things. So I'm trying to clear out some of our multiple logos that we've had and just make things uh, more simple and more focused. You can visit the website at the way, the letter R122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search The Way Radio in the search field. You can find us on YouTube at The Way Ministry Church or The Way R122 Ministry. And you can donate at thewayr122.org. We need your help. Please prayerfully consider supporting the ministry on a monthly basis. Um, as times get crazier, it's more difficult to fundraise, but the Lord keeps opening doors and we want to be able to go through them. All right. God bless you guys. I will see you next week. Same time, same place.